You might have gathered today was macaroni and cheese day. One, oh, a couple more, good. <laughs> We've been working our way through Jeremiah, and we skipped a week uh, here, was it last week, the week before in class, and uh, I might have gotten a little off. I hope that we're still pretty much on schedule with what you studied in class, but we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 20. Uh, Jeremiah's complaint. Uh, in fact, all through Jeremiah, we run into several times where he just really has a complaint to lay before the Lord. Uh, this is a very low time in Jeremiah's life. In fact, he's basically submitting his resignation. Uh, but as we discover, God does not accept that resi- resignation. Now we can stand up. Now we're going to read, and then we'll uh, sing a song and uh, listen then to what Jeremiah had to say. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You seized me, you have prevailed. I am a laughingstock all the time. Everyone ridicules me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I proclaim violence and destruction. Because the word of the Lord has become for me constant disgrace and derision. If I say... I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name. His message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in, and I cannot prevail. The Word of God. Well, have you ever wrestled with God? I mean, have you ever had a knockdown, drag out, no holes bar fight with God? I hope you have. Because I'm afraid if you haven't yet had that struggle with God, then perhaps you really haven't yet taken Him seriously. Maybe you haven't come to the point in your life where you realize just how much of you he wants. Maybe you haven't realized that what he wants you to be is so different from what you yourself might want to be. Perhaps you haven't realized how difficult it is to give up this control of doing what you want to do and thinking about what you want in life and all of these things that you are planning, realizing that God perhaps has some different ideas. And when you come to that point where you realize that God is calling you to be someone other than what you think you ought to be, that's when the wrestling begins. So, have you ever wrestled with God? If you answer, yes, I have, or perhaps, yes, I am wrestling with God. At this very time in my life, I am struggling with Him, trying to figure out what is going on and what He wants from me, and He seems to be pushing on me, and what I'm planning isn't going exactly like I want it to. And you're just in that time 
of struggle. Then the most important question that you will ever answer is this. Who's winning? Who's winning in the struggle between you and God? Now the Bible is filled with stories about people wrestling with God. Some of those people won. Many of them lost. But you know what's ironic? What's ironic is that those who won, and by the way, the biblical word in most of our translations that we will come across is the word prevail. Those who prevailed or won actually lost. And those who lost that battle with God, they are the ones who truly win. Anytime I think about people wrestling with God, the story that immediately pops into my mind is the story of Jacob. Most of us know some of the details of Jacob's story. Jacob was born the younger of two twin boys, born to Isaac and Rebekah. And he was named Jacob because Jacob means grabber. Right. And remember that at his birth, that he was born second, but he was born grabbing onto the heel of his brother Esau. And from that time on, Jacob continued to grab especially what rightfully belonged to Esau. We know the story of how, and later when they had grown up, how uh, Esau came in from hunting and he was so hungry and Jacob had fixed a big bowl of soup or a big pot of soup and he offered Esau a bowl of that soup and Esau said, oh, you know, I'll give you anything for that soup. I, I, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. And Jacob said, well, I'll trade it to you for your share of the inheritance. And Esau, it's a different story, isn't he? <laughs> Agreed. We know even after that, that Jacob, along with his mother, Rebekah, plotted to secure the blessing from their old father, Isaac. Isaac had grown old, couldn't see very well. And they tricked him into blessing Jacob rather than Esau. So that first part of his life, Jacob was always grabbing and taking things that really did not rightfully belong to him. And especially affected Esau. Didn't bring a lot of peace and harmony into the family. In fact, once all that had happened... Esau looked at Jacob and said, When our father dies, I will kill you. Well, Jacob and his mother decided it was time for him to leave town. So he traveled up north of the land that they were living in, went to some distant relatives there, got married, lived for two, three decades up in there, really established a life there, Continued his life of grabbing. Had a lot of interesting uh, encounters with his father-in-law Laban 
Uh, these are all, these, cha- these stories are found in the uh, 28, 29, 30, 31, all that of Genesis. If you ever, if you don't know those stories, they're just marvelous stories. And go back and read them. Well, as Jacob had settled in, suddenly God began pressing on him again. Jacob, it's time for you to go back home. You're going to have to go home and face the music. So Jacob loaded up all his possessions, his wives and his children, all his wealth, and they start heading back home. Now you can just imagine what it was like for him, knowing that he was going to go back home and he was going to have to deal with his brother Esau. Because Esau himself, Jacob knew, was a powerful man at this time. So you can imagine how he was going through all of these things. He even came up with some scenarios. He kept sending little gifts to Esau ahead of him. You know, let's soften this guy up. Well, finally the day came that he knew the next day he was going to have to look eye to eye with his brother Esau. Not knowing what Esau would do, not knowing what he would say. Because the last words he had said were, I am going to kill you. How do you think that night went? as he tried to sleep, knowing he was about to encounter Esau. Would you say it was a restless night? Think he got any sleep at all? No. And the Bible story, as we read it, is one of the most densely compacted stories, but yet if you work on it and read it, it is an amazing story of what it's like to wrestle with God. Because the story goes that God showed up in the flesh and he and Jacob wrestled through the night. You see, Jacob had been pretty much doing things his way all of his life. And now God was tired of that. And he was going to give him one more chance to finally give it up and to do things his way. Uh, It's interesting because if you look at the prophecies about Jacob before his birth, God had already decided that Jacob would be the blessed child. God had already planned to give to Jacob what he was trying so hard to get for himself. But he was doing it Jacob's way, not God's way. So there in the night, God and Jacob wrestled. And if you read it, it shows that there were times when Jacob was actually winning the wrestling match. It says that he was, what's our word? Prevailing. That's right. You can do that, you know. And we talk about God being all-powerful and almighty, and he is. But he will let you win If you decide to fight him. If you decide it's going to be your way. And that's it. Then he will allow that. He will let you prevail. And you will have yourself. And that's all. You would have won. Jacob prevails for a while. But finally, maybe out of exhaustion, maybe out of just being tired of always butting heads with God, finally, 
he collapses. And he allows the Lord to bless him. He allows the Lord to give him a new name. He decides that he, from that point on, will have a new attitude and a new life. So Jacob limped away from that wrestling match. Literally limped away. With a new name of Israel, which means he who has wrestled with God. But most of all, he finally decided that he would live his life the way God was calling him to live it. Have you wrestled with God? If so, who's winning? Are you winning? Are you still doing it your way? How's that going? Or have you come to a point, like Jacob, where you finally realize that you will win truly only when God wins? Jeremiah wrestled with God often in his prophecies and his ministry. You remember, if you've been with us in our study, that Jeremiah was called to prophet, be a prophet at a very early age. And he had a long ministry. And it was a difficult ministry. Because God had called him to go and to tell his people that they were about to be punished for their sins. He was to go tell them that there was going to be a nation, the Babylonians, come in and they were going to destroy the city and nothing could be done about it. Everybody got tired of Jeremiah. He's like the guy that would, might show up in a locker room before the football game and say, guys, you're going to lose. You know, get out there and get beat. <laughs> it, it just, in fact, they called him, his friends did, old gloom and doom. Nobody wanted to see Jeremiah coming down the street. So Jeremiah, even though God had called him, he went through times where he wrestled with God again. I don't want to do this anymore, he would say. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants me to be around. Did you notice in the text as we read it? Let me go back to that just for a minute. This is what he says. Lord, you tricked me. I was tricked. You have overpowered me. You have prevailed. People laugh at me all the time. People make fun of me all the time. They say that any time I show up, all I shout is bad news, bad news, bad news. Well, finally Jeremiah says, I've had it. I'm going to quit. I'm just not going to talk anymore. I don't know if you've ever done that in a fight or not. You're just going to go in your bedroom, shut the door, and just not talk. How does that work for Jeremiah? Jeremiah says, I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm not going to speak in his name. But God, when I do that, it's like I'm on fire inside. I try to win this war with you. But your word, your call, your message... Is like a burning fire in my soul. And I simply must speak. And the last line of our reading was, I give up. 
I can't prevail. Now, the interesting thing is, as we said, the people who finally lose that wrestling match with God, the people who finally are defeated by him, they give up on being their own person, doing things the way they want to do. They are the ones, by losing, actually win. This is why Jeremiah, shortly after he says that, down in verse 13, says, Sing to the Lord, praise to the Lord, for he has delivered the life of his needy one. Almost every lament and every complaint in the Bible, as people struggle, whenever they realize that they must give up and let God have his way, it ends in praise. Because then they say, ah, we wrestled. It was a fight. You won. Praise the Lord. One other person before we leave this thought that comes to my mind in wrestling with God is the Apostle Paul. Now, I know that Paul had wrestled with God because so many of the things he says really indicates that. He doesn't use that terminology But what he talks about is how he used to have one kind of life, and it was a hard thing to let go of that. Now, Paul's life was a good life. It was a moral life, but it was Paul's life. He was doing what he wanted to do. For some of us, the life that we want to hold on to is pretty destructive. It's tearing us up physically. It's tearing up our families. But for some reason, we want to hold on to that. And yet, when we encounter God, He keeps trying to take it away from us and to give us something else. Paul talks about how he struggled with that and the result of that. In Philippians chapter 3, he's talking about all the things he used to be and all the things he used to do. And he says, but you know what? I lost And I gave those things up. Listen to what he says. Yet, whatever gains I used to have, these I came to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I lost everything. I gave it up. I count it but trash in order that I may gain Christ, in order that I might be found in Him. Now that's words of a man who wrestled with the Lord. And whenever he realized that what he wanted was to be found in Christ, that it was worth giving up his own will and his own ideas. Another passage in which he addresses this, and I'd never thought about this before, I have to be honest, It's a passage that the ancient church paired with the Jeremiah passage. You know, the ancient church liked to take an Old Testament passage and then take a New Testament passage that that really reflects on that, and the two go together. Well, the New Testament passage that the church for centuries has paired along with Jeremiah chapter 20 in his complaint is Romans chapter 6. I looked at it and I go, wow, that's amazing. I grew up in churches of Christ. I mean, I've memorized Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is the chapter about 
Baptism, that's right, that's right. Now, well, what does that have to do with Jeremiah struggling with God? Well, then I reread it with that in mind. And I thought, wow, it's talking exactly about that. At the first part of the chapter, Paul talks about, don't you know that whenever you decide you're going to be baptized, what you have decided to do is to bury that old person. And who is that old person? The person that wants to be in charge. The person that wants to dream your own dreams. The person that wants to do life the way you want to do it. The person that wants to do life the way other people are telling you how to do it. When you decide to be baptized, that person is dead. And you bury that person with Christ. And just as he rose to walk a new kind of life, so do you. Let me begin reading in verse 5 of Romans chapter 6. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, now who is that old self? That's the one that wants to be in charge. That's the one that wants to be pleased. That's the one that wants to be stroked. We know that that old self was crucified with him. So that the body of sin, and what is the body of sin? You know, when we think of sin, we think of terrible, awful things that people go out and do. Those are sins. But the body of sin is this body that wants things my way. And has little regard for what God wants. That is ultimately the body of sin. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, defeated, gone, so that we might no longer be enslaved to sin, enslaved to living life on our own terms. But if we have died with Christ, we believe we also will live with him. In verse 11, So those of you who have been down into the waters of baptism. Those of you who have realized, I'm going to have to give up this fight and let God have his way with me. Those of you should now consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Perhaps my favorite way that he put it, the Apostle Paul, is found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I think this is one of the first passages I ever memorized, and it still speaks so strongly. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. The I part of me, the will part of me, the part of me that wants to take care of Tommy, the part of me that wants Tommy to have lots of fun, the part of me that wants Tommy to feel secure in this world, have plenty of possessions so that I can enjoy myself. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer the I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh is no longer me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Spoken by a man who fought a long, hard fight. And finally, he said, God, 
you need to win. If you're wrestling today, good for you. That means you're awake. That means you're realizing that God is calling you to be something more than you are right now. That means you realize that what God wants from you is not necessarily what you want from yourself. Good for you for wrestling. But the question comes back, who's going to win? Are you, are you going to, in your stubbornness, live your life on your terms? Or will you finally acquiesce and let God prevail and God call you? We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. Some of our leaders of this church will be available on the perimeters of this room. They're there for you. And if you have struggled in the past and you just want to rejoice together with them that God has delivered you from the person of sinfulness, then they're there for you. Go. Express those thoughts. Let them pray with you. If you're in the midst of a struggle now and you're not sure who's going to win, you're afraid you might, then go to them and let them pray that you might have the strength to lay down your strength and let him prevail. Let's stand and sing.